Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Today we are talking about Family Compass. In studio with me is their CEO, licensed master social worker, Ona Foster. How are you doing today? I'm great, Nick. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh was looking up this organization on the website, family Compass. Dot org and you, you've been in the area since about 1992. Tell me about what you guys do. What does Family Compass do? So Family Compass, we have a singular focus on the prevention of child abuse and neglect. And I think a lot of people think that that issue is pretty complicated, but it really in actuality isn't. It's very simple. We know why child abuse and neglect happen. And so everything we do at the agency focuses on stopping it. I would absolutely say that that is surprising to me. I would say that child if I, I feel like if I went to anyone and said, child abuse, it's a pretty simple problem. They would they'd be like, what's right. wrong with you? Is this something that is known to people uh, that do what you do? Or well, is this a philosophy of Family Compass? Well, it actually comes out of the CDC. And so when you really look at the research, you can see the factors, particularly when they co-mingle, that lead to child abuse. And there's there's three simple factors. And the first factor is how a parent was raised themselves. So what you experienced as a child is how you learned to parent. And so your level of parenting skill is driven by that. So that's the first factor. The second one is the level of stress in your life. And the third factor are the living conditions in your home and community. And so when you take those three factors and there are issues embedded in those three areas, that's where the risk of child abuse and neglect come in. And so all the work that we do targets the factors. Does the organization actually help children that have been neglected or abused or anything like that? Or when you say this organization focuses on prevention, it really is about just prevention. It's really all about prevention. And I've been in intervention work as a social worker for 20 years of my career. And intervention is when something bad has come into someone's life or a family's life causing trauma, and you come in as the social worker, as the helper, and you fix that trauma. Prevention is let's stop that from ever happening in the first place. Let's keep kids out of the system. Let's keep that trauma from happening so we don't have to come in and fix. You worked for, what, 20 years as a social worker, and then you decided to come to this organization. Had you had enough of the way things were going in your career as far as helping to fix a problem that was already existing? And did you want to get on the opposite side of this and start working with prevention? That's a great question. And I'll tell you, I loved intervention work. When you come in and help in the aftermath of some crisis, it's just a, it's a great feeling. There's a lot of work involved. And when you're in those systems, you can see how overburdened the systems are. So intervention work, absolutely necessary. It was great work. But when I learned about Family Compass, I was approached by someone on uh, that was on the board and talked to me about the prevention aspect and not just 
prevention as an offshoot, prevention as the sole mission. And it, it just rang a bell with me. And I was like, oh, well, this is this is where the answer is. This is where we keep those cases out of the system and help the system do what it needs to do on the intervention side better and not be so overburdened. Is an organization that works on solely prevention rare in this arena? It is rare. We're the, we're the only one in North Texas that has a sole focus on it. Other organizations, they have prevention arms of their programming. But for us, it's about everything we do is about prevention. Was always. that always how Family Compass ran? You guys started in 1992, I believe? Always. You know, Family Compass, it's kind of interesting. Um, there were a number of escalating child deaths in the area, and the local exchange clubs came together. And when they got together, they talked about forming an agency to address this issue, and Family Compass was born out of their efforts. And so we still have some of those founders from back in the day are on our board. They're on our advisory board. They're still involved with the agency because of the unique nature of the work. And we can clearly see everything we do is evidence-based and accredited. And so we, we track the results, and we know that it keeps families out of the system. Was this a revolutionary idea when it was first proposed to only work in this arena? Absolutely. No one else was doing it. No one else was doing it at that time. And when they came together and talked about it and, you know, you could really feel that energy when they talk about that history, you can feel the energy to this day. I can be in a board meeting and those founders around the table and people that have been doing the work, I can tell a, a success story about something very current that just happened at the agency for one of our families. A, you know, a young mom got back into high school or graduated or got a job and you can see them tear up. It's the emotionality of what we did for this family and changed the trajectory of the life of that young parent and then that child that's in that home. Their life has changed forever, too. You said working as a social worker that focused on intervention. Did you find that work to be frustrating at a certain point, and that's why you wanted to move no, it I can see if you if you keep doing it for as long as you have, and there are these three factors, yeah. and you can also maybe kind of, you know I'm sure there you were in situations where you saw that snowball effect, like you knew it was coming, and you're trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. I, I would have to imagine that would be just, just so frustrating. Yeah, you know, obviously in social work, there's always frustrations. You know, social work is you're kind of standing in the middle of people's pain with them and helping them move through it, and. And you do that for a long time, and I, I do think there's a level of burnout that comes along with that mm. that we all deal with. We talk a lot about that compassion fatigue in the field. Wow. Um, I, but again, I, re I really I loved that work, but I just didn't know about the three factors until I got into the prevention side. Because when I first came into this, into Family Compass, I thought, this is so complicated. How am I ever going to wrap my head around this? I love the idea of prevention, but what does that actually mean? Absolutely. Seriously, this is this is the thing that really surprises me about this organization mm -hmm. and how you are de defining this or categorizing it as something that's relatively simple to see. And mm -hmm. I, I, I feel the way that you did before you started. I get that. Yeah. I was like, what's my elevator speech? And I it took me a long time to wrap my head around what that was. And what I just said to you earlier, that's now my elevator speech. This is simple. There's three factors. We know what they are, and we address those factors, and we stop it from happening. And I didn't have that at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to find that because the magic of prevention is 
when you prevent that trauma from happening to a child, you have absolutely changed everything about their future and their children's future going forward. It all looks different. There's a completely different roadmap for them than they would have had otherwise if they had to deal with intervention of a, of a trauma. Had you heard of Family Compass before you started? I had. Interestingly, um, I have, I'm currently friends with both of the executive directors that came before me. Um, was very good friends even at the time when I was working on the intervention side of the first executive director. And she helped me when I was doing work um, on the intervention side. I was at the family place. And she was on one of our advisory groups. And that's how I got to know her. And, and so I knew about their work. But I didn't fully understand that that inner circle of prevention. Like, what, you know, we all threw the word around, mm-hmm. but I didn't really understand truly what it meant until I got inside the work when I came into this position. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, no, no. Absolutely, it does. Um, you, you are CEO of this organization, mm-hmm. and you said you'd been there for three years. Have you been CEO for three years, or did you start at a different position with Family Compass? I started as CEO. I had never been a CEO before anywhere, so that was a brand new position. Um, it was a new issue. I kind of had to wrap my head around. I'd really been in the field of domestic violence and custody, and so I was coming out of that learning prevention and child abuse at the same time kind of learning what it means to be a CEO. Well, that's, I mean, that's a completely different thing. So you're talking about becoming the leader of an organization, and you're also learning a new discipline within your field. So were you apprehensive? Did you almost want to be like, look, how about I I start with something else, and then maybe we'll see what CEO is all about. You know, (laughs) let me get my feet wet first. That's a huge leap. Yeah, it was like being thrown into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, for sure. And so it and it took me a while to really get my sea legs underneath me and figure out because you're really juggling all of the the agency stuff from the financial end of things all the way to the content and rolling into an interview like this with someone back then. I remember we went we had an interview with Channel 8 and um, it started and the interviewer we had our talking points. Well, she used the first part of the talking points in her intro that I was going to say. And I absolutely panicked. I was like, I don't know what to <laughs> say. Like, I, like at that point, I couldn't, like, how do I even, yeah. where do I start? Yeah, and that's so, kind of, that's rough. But, you know, then you get into the work and I have about 22 staff and they are absolutely amazing. And they tell the stories. I've gone out on some home mentoring visits. That's the kind of the Um, The two things that we actually do at the agency are in-home mentoring, where we go into the homes and work with parents and children hands-on right there. And then we do education in the community as well, where we do parenting classes on different subjects so that the community can come to the rec center or the apartment or the church and actually get classroom education. So it's like a two-prong approach to just infuse communities with this information, skills, knowledge about what good parenting looks like. And so, you know, that's kind of the magic of it. And when you hear the success stories, that's when it all falls into place. And now I can, you know, I can talk about that. I I see the, you know, I see their faces and I, I know those stories now. So as CEO, you're still able to do the work that you were doing. You are a social worker Mm -hmm. and, but you're also the leader of an organization now. Are you able to get to do both it's really kind of doing it from a macro level, if you will. And so it's I get to work with my staff on how they're handling the cases versus kind of being down in the casework myself. 
And so it's kind of cool, though, to to know that 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 I'm kind of the driver behind what's all happening at the agency. And then they all come together. But they're they're the ones that make it all happen. And we have we have staff at that agency that have been there for years. Absolutely. Staff 22 seems relatively large for a nonprofit. Do you like the size of your organization? Yeah, it's a really nice size. And one thing that happened is, um, and it was before I got there, the agency wanted to expand into Collin County because there weren't, um, these kinds of services weren't really happening out there. And there were some smaller agencies um, that were doing it. And so we expanded and now have an office out in Collin County as well. And so we're really Collin and Dallas County, which, you know, is it's really great. Ona Foster is the CEO of Family Compass. You can find them online at family-compass.org or give them a call at 1-800-252-5400. Let's talk about these two different services that you offer the community. One is in-home. One is more classroom, let's say. The in-home is, it sounds unique to me, and that's a huge leap. I think that whenever you're talking about stuff like this, you would always have to tread lightly because no one's going to want to hear a stranger say, you're parenting your kids wrong and there's going to be an issue, a major issue. Let me teach you how to raise your kids. So already that's tough, but you take it that extra step and go into their homes. Talk to me about how this process works. Yeah, and it you know it's being done by other agencies too, so I don't want to make it sound like it's this very narrow niche. It's for, for Family Compass, it's more our we do like a wraparound service in this in-home mentoring kind of space. And so, again, with that sole focus on we're preventing child abuse by going into that home. And there are other agencies that go in and do um, work in the home, that do in-home visits. And, of course, CPS goes out into homes. And so it's kind of interesting you bring this up because the agency used to be called Child Abuse Prevention Center. That was the original name of the agency. And what was happening is when you go out and you knock on the door, say it's a teen parent, and you knock on their door and you say, we're with Child Abuse Prevention Center, well, they haven't done anything yet. And so it becomes this immediate barrier. Are you saying I'm going to abuse my child? Absolutely. I was going to say, you knock on the door and say that, you are implying that they're a child abuser. Right. And so, um, you know, and back in the day when that was the name, it was very clear to community partners, to donors, you know, this is what we do. Like you saw the mission was prevention of child abuse. But then in certain circumstances, we started to uncover that that could be a barrier for the families that we were going out and serving. And so the agency, and this was again, right before I came on, a few years before I came on, went through a rebranding process and came up with the idea of Family Compass as a new path, a new, you know, a different way, a new road to go in terms of our parenting. And so that's why they chose that name. And so then when you go and knock on the door to do your in-home mentoring visit, it's I'm here from Family Compass. I know you called, someone gave you a referral. And so let's sit down and talk about how we can help you. And that's everything from coaching, mentoring, modeling, things that they don't normally see. A lot of them may not have someone in their life that is that model that they can follow in parenting. They may be living with an aunt or they just are not living in an environment that does show healthy parenting. And Mm -hmm. so we step into those roles and then build a relationship with them. 
and the relationship is what becomes the lifeline. So successes, failures, barriers, my staff, that's who gets the first text. It's not the friend. It's not, you know, that's, that's what happens. And particularly for young parents, they're terrified. They don't know what to expect. And we'll start working with them even um, before they've had the child. So while they're pregnant, we can go out, start building that relationship, and start preparing them for what it's going to be like to be that, that young mom yeah. and really helping them kind of get settled and focused. So. Before we talk more about the services that are provided with these in-home visits, how do people find your service? You said referrals or phone calls? That's a great question. So there's a number of places where we have referral sources. Schools are huge. So as you can imagine, high schools, junior high schools, uh, we've had, I mean, we've had parents as young as 12 that we serve. And so high schools, um, junior high schools, and then hospitals, clinics, um, other social service agencies, state agencies as well. We do receive some referrals for one of our programs, mainly gets their referrals from CPS, but it's cases that that were came to their attention but do not have an actual finding of child abuse, but they know they need some help so that they don't come into the system. Everything we do is about keeping those families out of the system. So I I kind of think about, I see CPS at the end of this road, and the families that we work with, the risk indicators are there. Those three factors are there. And they're on the highway, and they're headed towards CPS. And when we come into their lives, which is voluntary and through those sources we just talked about, when we come in and start working with them, we're the off-ramp. And so we're just taking family after family after family off of that highway and then they go off on a different path away from the system, and then they have a future and a life that looks very different. How old are most of the people that you're helping? You're talking about some very young people. Is that always youth? Is that really where you need to focus? You know, the risk factors, um, the young age of the parent is one of the risk factors for sure. Poverty, uh, mental health issues, um, domestic violence in the home, you know, there's a bunch of different risk factors. So young age of the parent is definitely one of them. But we serve parents throughout an entire age range. And so in terms of our programming, one of our programs in Dallas, one of the home mentoring programs, most of their parents are teens or very young parents, like in early 20s, but a lot of teens. And But then out in Collin County, the sister program to that program, those parents actually are any age, and we, have, we tend to have older parents out in Collin County, and they're struggling too. And so if they're struggling and they want us to come out with those accredited curriculums and walk them through activities and goal setting and how do we get everyone to the store and back without a meltdown and how do I handle my my baby's teething I don't know my mom didn't show me that and you know so all of those things that keep reducing the stress in that home and taking their parenting efficacy up and the more they increase their competency the more their stress continues to drop and so it's all of those factors so we'll help we'll help any parent that needs it what are some of the most common things that you're going to teach a young parent when you go into the home? Mm, that's a great question. You know, it really ranges. And so the, the curriculum, we have two different curriculums depending on the program. And I should probably back up just a step. So under our programs, we have the in-home mentoring, which is what we've been talking about, and then we have community education. Both use curriculums. 
Under the in-home mentoring programs, however, we have two levels. And so there's one level that's the primary prevention, and then there's a deeper level that deals with cases that are higher risk case. So we have two different programs, and then one is the more clinical program that deals with maybe mental health issues and things like that. And so the curriculums are slightly different. But each of the curriculums for each of those home mentoring programs, you can jump around. And so if you start working with a family and they have a pretty good grasp on child development, you're not going to spend a lot of time there. But maybe bedtime routines, you know, maybe they have more than one child and bedtime routines are a nightmare. And so we're going to focus our daily activity today on what is that going to look like? And so they can really use those curriculums in a variety of ways and jump around. They're very flexible. And so really to answer your questions, we tailor to the family what the family needs in the moment. So it depends on the age of their children. It's the age of that parent, what they've, what they've learned, what they haven't learned. So we're filling in the gaps. Whenever I hear about an organization that focuses on child abuse or in your case, preventing child abuse, I always think about kids. I think about helping children. It sounds to me like this organization is really something that helps parents to give someone and something to lean on. That what you're really doing is trying to redress, address the stress and other factors that produce terrible results, let's say, in, in a parent's life. So this organization really focuses on the parents. Absolutely, because who does the child need to lean on? Exactly. Yes. And so our job is to strengthen that parent so that when the child, because that's what children want, they want connection and attention and they want that care and that love from that parent. If that parent's attention is pulled away by all of those other stress factors I talked about, if there's domestic violence, if there's poverty, if I can't put a meal on the table, then I certainly, you know, I can't really focus on learning how to be a parent. And so we come in and we have a really strong um, kind of a resource collaborative in the community. And so we have to be really up on who else can help this family and let's plug them in and hook them up with these resources so they can have as much stability as possible. So then we can come in and work on those actual parenting curriculums and they are actually learning different tools then to work with their children more effectively, and then you benefit the child. So it's, it's a domino effect. Address the problem, point them in the right direction to figure out how to fix that problem. Yeah. How close do the, okay, what term do you guys use for the person that actually goes into the home and kind of, let's say, adopts this family as theirs? What term do you guys use? A parent educator for the Growing as Parent program. Um, in our other programs, um, we have caseworkers and, you know, and so... It just kind of depends on the program. Right. Um, and I just refer, I just kind of think of all of them as angels. They, they really just go in and um, they just, they roll up their shirt sleeves. I had one, um, this is kind of a good story. One of our moms um, are, it was one of the parents in the parent aid program and she was pregnant. And then when she gave birth, my staff person went to the hospital and sat with her and do they kind of see themselves as a parent or family member to these families that they're working with, or do you not want to have that type of relationship? I think that there's a component of that. There's a comforting component. It really seems like a yes. person that they need to learn from. Exactly. Yes. And so it's like a, it's 
all of those things combined, though, that I was talking about earlier, you're a coach, you're a mentor, you know, there's a purpose to this relationship. There's a friendship element to it. There's a parental element to it. There's all of those things all rolled into one big, giant, wonderful support system that comes into, into the home. And then, of course, there's the other prong, which is our community education and outreach program. And the work that they do is really groundbreaking as well. And so I want to make sure that we talk about... No, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, right now is is a good time to start talking about that. I I find the in-home fascinating, but the educational component is going to be just as important, especially on a community-wide basis, because you're not going to be able to get into probably as many homes as you would like. But through an education process or class that you you know you're kind of talking about, you're gonna be able to reach a lot more people. Yeah, and I think the other thing, and that's why it triggered in my head, was oftentimes what will happen is you'll have someone take a class in the community, and then they find out about the in-home mentoring, and then they mm. go into more intensive work, and so they're they can actually kind of go back and forth and correlate with each other. If, yeah, if that makes sense, and so. Um, but yeah, so in the community, so if you're picturing the community and you're, you're picturing now the staff are going out into various homes throughout that community. And then in addition to that, we're also um, hosting these parenting classes. And all of this is free of cost to the parents that are coming. And so they get to come and get classroom style education. And we use a nationally accredited curriculum for those classes as well. Um, we do triple P parenting. And then we're also going into the schools and we're, we're doing education classes on child abuse prevention itself, on shaken baby syndrome, for example, you know, so that, you know, so that we're really educating throughout that entire community and changing how the community thinks about parenting, what they know about parenting. And so you combine it all together and um, it's pretty powerful stuff. But I, what I wanted to also say about the community education piece um, we also go into the jail. So this is a good example of how you can completely change someone's life. So, for example, if you have a young mother who's gone to jail and some of the mothers give birth in jail, well, where do their kids go? They take them, right? And so they're not with them, obviously. And sometimes those mothers have never seen or spent time with that baby. And they're going to come out and then what? They have nothing to fall back on. And so we start in the jail with these with the Triple P curriculum. And so they get some classroom education mm. and they get a little knowledge so that when they come out, they have a sense of what to expect, what to do. And again, it's that sense of capacity building in them that I, now I, I feel like I could actually come out and be a good parent. Everyone wants to be a good parent. I think that at the end of the day, any of them that you talk to, that's what they want. Well, anybody that's going to be a part of an organization like this, that's really what they're looking for. That's what they're, that is their goal. They're not here because they have to be. They're here because they want to better themselves and their family. Absolutely. And in the jail, I remember one day um, the staff person who was teaching the class, she went to the jail and the room they normally teach in was not available. And she went in anyway and she went into the actual pod and all of the women, that this is voluntary, even in the jail. So they all come because they all want to know. And so they all came over and just crowded around her. And she taught a class. And and then what can happen, too, is they come out of jail or they come out of any of the classes that we're teaching out in the community. And then from there, then they can enroll in the home mentoring. And so then they get the one-on-one. 
And so you can imagine all of that beautiful education coming together. And the key factor is the relationship and the amount of time. And so we can be spending a lot of time. Um, the Growing as Parents program, which is the home mentoring program that I talked about in Dallas, that's often for the teens, although in Collin County, that same program is that very primary prevention program, the parents being older, um, that particular program, they can be with them for up to five years. And so that gets you, five years gets you to kindergarten. Very, very good. Family Compass is the organization. We are unfortunately already running up against the clock. I said before we started that we were going to need at least an hour, and here we are at half, and I could easily talk to you for another half. Before we go, though, uh, a couple of big things on your calendar. North Texas Giving Day happening on September 20th, so I want the listeners to please remember that. Uh, Also, you guys have a big golf tournament happening on October 11th. It starts at 1.30 p.m. over at Cowboys Golf Club in Grapevine, raising money for the organization. Do you enjoy this one? This is fantastic. It's a fantastic event. Cowboys is a great course. Lunch and dinner are actually included, so people can come out earlier, have lunch before the shotgun start at 1.30, and it's a, just a crazy fun day. We go all the way through. Uh, last year, I think it was getting dark before everyone rolled off the course, and we went in and had dinner, and uh, you know, there's prizes and you know, raffle items. We're doing a wine poll this year. There's an air cannon out on the course. That's All right. super fun. So, are you a golfer? I'm not a golfer. I just get out there and hold that air cannon and help. You know, and I actually yeah. I'm gonna say that sounds like more fun yeah. uh, to me. So I'm there with yeah. you. So yeah. So we need teams. We need sponsors, and just you know, would love to have people come out and have a good time. One last time, that golf tournament happening on October 11th over at Cowboys Golf Club in Grapevine. You can learn more about this organization and that event at Family Compass. Org or give them a call at 1-800-252-5400. Ona Foster has been my guest. She is this organization's CEO. It was great speaking with you. I would love to have you back. Thank you, Nick. It's been my pleasure. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.